Ready! Buffalo Bills game day on the Buffalo Bills radio network. All right, here we go, here we go. We gotta have a drive. 23 left, 23 left. Will, It's time for the Overtime Show with Nate Geary. All right, everybody, welcome into the Overtime Show here on WGR. The Bills, they find a way. They seemed dead. They seemed buried. And they found a way to score 20 unanswered points and win a close one, 23-20. Welcome in, everybody. Nate Geary here. I've got TJ Luckman behind the board. We've got some live football going on that I'll keep you up to date with. Over the next two hours, we'll hear again from Bills head coach Sean McDermott before the end of the night. We'll hear from uh, several other players as well. But first... We talk about that game because it was equal parts frustrating as it was gratifying. Uh, at a certain point, it felt like the Bills could not stop this Ravens offense. It really was quite a frustrating game from start to finish, yet the Bills found a way, and that is the most important part today. I'll tell you, for me, when I watched that first half, a lot of emotions. And again, you know, this is your first, this is your first time around the the world with me well welcome it's it's quite a ride it's sort of like you ever been to a fair or a local uh you know local carnival and go on the zipper where it feels predictable like you know you're going in and you're going around but then the cart also moves on a spindle so you are both spindle moving and also flying around upwards and vertically so you are your stomach's being thrown in multiple directions and if you've never thrown up in a zipper you haven't lived and that's sort of like following me on a Sunday game day what you're gonna get is a lot of just in the moment unhinged craziness and that is just by nature me which is why I don't you know, call the game. Because if I did, <laughs> I, I wouldn't last long because, you know, I'd be, you know, what I really should do is start a live stream of me during the games because it really, you know, I think the people, the, the people over at Twitch would probably have to ban my channel because I'm that unhinged. I, and I've watched some unhinged gamers on Twitch. I'm a lot like that, just like live tweeting Bill's games. It was a lot. It was the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs in this game. And and listen, this was a hard-fought game. I, I In my post-game article, which will be up at WGR550.com at some point here this hour, um, I sort of like jokingly talked about this in the same way you talk about a boxer, right? Body blow after body blow early in this in this football game. And lesser champions don't, you know, they don't make it. Like, they're on the canvas. They're on the mat. And the Bills just took the body blows and, you know, crawled to their corner, got to the next round, scored before the end of the half, and found a way to just chip away little by little. Their defense took a big turn. Now, part of my criticism of the defense maybe is unfair in this game. They were put in some tough situations by the turnovers that the offense put together in that first half. But, you know, like, the the, the defense just had a tough time getting Lamar Jackson off the field. And by the way, so does everybody. It's not just the Bills. It's a lot of folks have a lot of issues getting Lamar Jackson and that offense off the field, except for the second half where the Bills really found a way to slow down and sturdy up. Now, some of this game, you can pin on the effects of the weather and the rain. It caused a lot of miscues offensively early in this football game from the Bills. We saw the fumble by Devin Singletary. We saw the interception that um, that sort of tipped off of was yeah it, it tipped off of Calais Campbell and kind of into the into the arms of Marlon Humphrey and and in that particular instance right like two bad turnovers to start the game like just the worst possible way to start a game and the Ravens took advantage right they just they did a good job they took advantage when they should have taken advantage it wasn't really until the second half until you started to see some of the same issues that the Bills were having in the first half pop up for the Ravens eventually. Weather is kind of a great equalizer unless one team is playing under the shadow and the other team is playing in the middle of the sun like the Bills like like they were last week with the Bills. If the if both teams are playing in the same conditions, like in a truly fair, both teams got to go through the elements, eventually the balance will it will balance itself, right? Like the momentum and the mistakes that one team is making and the other early in this football game, I mean Lamar Jackson was not missing. He was making window throws as receivers were making catches. The Bills were dropping balls, fumbling balls. I mean just everything that could have gone wrong for the Bills went wrong and everything that could have gone right went right for the Ravens. I mean my god, was there a more frustrating play than Lamar Jackson getting out of the hands of both Von Miller and I think it was uh Greg Rousseau 
Rousseau in there as well, turning around and lofting up a buttercup into the middle of the field right to the sideline to basically right in the hands of Matt Milano just for it to tip up to Devin DuVernay who steps over the first down line on second and freaking 19. Is there a more frustrating play than that right there? And I think for me, I, I look at a play like that and after that I felt, okay, you know what? This one ain't going the Bills' way today, and that's okay. Sometimes you're not going to have it. Sometimes the bounces are not going to go your way, and you're going to lose a game to a good team who just makes more plays and has more luck, and that is the beauty and also the frustration of this beautiful game of football, right? It's just there's randomness. There's times of disbelief. There's things that happen on a football field that will happen that no one has ever seen before. And that was probably as close to a thing as no one's ever seen that before. Lamar Jackson breaking out of a sure fumble or a, a sure sack, just launching up a football into double coverage, having it tip off a guy right into the hands of Devin Duvernay. Like it was led to him. It was kind of unbelievable. And in that moment, I thought to myself, all right, well, the Bills have Pittsburgh next week. I mean, that's, that's what I'm thinking at that moment. And listen, Tons of credit. Like, in the conditions, the last drive of the first half, really what this was is a total inverse of last week, right? Timing. um, The timing of the plays that this offense made. The poise they showed in those pressure moments at the end of the first half. Walking down the field, 11 plays, 78 yards in a minute, 38 to close out the half. I mean, just completely opposite of what happened last week against the Dolphins, right? They go down, they score in the red zone, which they did not do seemingly at all last week against the Dolphins. And then they come out in the second half, they get a huge three-and-out stop, they go down, they score, and they make this a one-score game. And just from there, it was very clear that the end of the half and then the start to second half, that momentum turned. And the Bills going into this game were plus 34 in the third quarter in terms of ratio and they go out, and they're now 44 to nothing in the third quarter of games this season. They absolutely dominate coming out of the locker room. They make better adjustments than anybody in football. Kudos to Leslie Frazier. Kudos to Brian, uh, I almost said Brian Dable, to Ken Dorsey, because that was the biggest knock on Brian Dable for years, was could he come out of the second half, make the necessary adjustments, and be better, or bounce back from a bad first half. And this team was always so lackadaisical over the last couple of years in the third quarter. They just seemed like a team that would come out with a ton of energy and a ton of steam, come out with great scripted plays, and have so much trouble adjusting. Now, you know, this is the first game in, I mean, what seems like months, and I think it really is months, that the Bills did not score on their opening possession. They threw an interception, the, and, or otherwise, like, they're going down the field and scoring a touchdown almost every time out to open the game, and that didn't go that way for them. But again, I, I just a lot, of, a lot of credit, a lot of guts um, went into winning this football game. I'm sure they'll tell you that they weren't thinking that they weren't out of this at all. I think that's crazy. I I mean, just like you had to watch what happened in that first half and just feel gutted. Like you just had to feel that nothing was going your way and they stuck with it. It just, it was a really good thing to see for a team. Like say what you will about narratives be damned. Like the narrative was in close games, they got, they pearl clutched a little bit. They, they struggled to meet the moment in those pressure packed moments and the bills did nothing but meet the moment today in those pressure packed moments and kudos to them. I'm cool with being the hater that that got that got owned. Like I'm cool with that. It's like part of my job. So, I'm cool with the fact that this team went out and and debunked some narratives about them. I thought it was really important. If they don't, if they lose this game, they fall to 2 and 2 on the season, 1 and 2 in the AFC, and two full games behind the Miami Dolphins and for the division. So, and the Jets won today, and the Patriots are somehow beating the Green Bay Packers with Bailey Zapp at quarterback. So, listen, today was a monumental win for a lot of reasons, but beating the Ravens and and by the way, if I can, the Ravens are have a there was a press conference called for 3 p.m. tomorrow. It would not shock me to see Greg Roman get fired. I mean, two of their last three weeks, they're up by 17-plus points, and they blow that lead. That is just – I know some of this will be about the, the Ravens when, when you see it on SportsCenter later and you see it on NFL Network and you see the fastest 60 seconds with Boomer. He does it – like, some of the conversation – and be okay with it, people. Some of the conversation's going to be the Ravens choked another one away. And that's okay, because they did choke it away. I mean, they didn't score after going up 20-3. to They didn't score again. They got a 17-point lead, 
and they did nothing. And some of that's on Lamar Jackson, but some of that's on his pass catchers. Rashad Bateman dropped a couple of uh, bad throws or uh, dropped a couple of bad uh, bad catches. All in all, this is as much as it is, as much as people will make this about the Ravens blowing another game, it is equally as much about the Bills not like just getting too down on themselves where they they couldn't overcome it. So, I think for me, there, I took a lot from this game. I think you can learn a lot from games like this. You might not be able to learn a lot from a game like the Tennessee Titans where you just blow an opponent out and you got their backup quarterback and their your entire backup's in by the third quarter. But I think you can learn a lot about a football team in these waning moments, and I can certainly say that I did today. All right, 803-0551-888-552-550. Let's get connected with our fans, and let's go to Doug, who's been waiting patiently. Doug, you're on the Overtime Show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Nate. Um, thanks for taking my call. I love the analysis that you just gave. Um, fighting win today, KFG win. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball. Um, it's been really exciting so far this season watching the pass rush develop. Mm-hmm. Um, much better than last season. And, you know, there's a lot of guys in the uh, one of which is uh, Von Miller. And, um, just, uh, just curious if you uh, had the same observation or could help me with this. I, um, I know he had a he had a sack today. Mm-hmm. A great, great play. Um, but I feel like in the first half, I found myself when the Bills were really needed on defense, looking for a big playmaker to make one. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed Bond seemed to be on the sidelines a bit. I was just wondering, like, if you had any insights on, like, his playing time or or why they would take him out? It's a great question, Doug. We talked a little bit about this on pregame. Thanks for the call. Um, It's not a story yet, but it's probably going to be a story soon. Like, he, I, I think I saw a stat this week about the the best pressure rates for players in the NFL. And through the first three weeks of the season, the Bills have three of the top ten players in the NFL in terms of pressure rate. None of which have played more than 100 snaps going into week four. Von Miller, 95 snaps, has the second highest pressure rate in the league, only behind Boogie Basham, who has like 52 snaps going into today's game, has the highest pressure rate in the league. So... It's not a story, but, like, it's kind of a story, if that makes sense, Doug. I hope that, like, you know, I, I don't mean to, like, dismiss your your your, your question and to answer it in, in kind of a nothing-burger way, but the, he, Doug, Doug, or, I'm sorry, uh, Sean McDermott, it's called Doug McDermott. Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are, if nothing but consistent about how they rotate players, regardless of if they've got one starter available to them. I mean, they're rotating Prince Emilian like he's at Oliver. I mean, like, they are as consistent as any team as I've ever seen with their, their rotations at the defensive line. And they want to keep their guys fresh for the fourth quarter. I, frankly, Doug, I thought you were going to maybe talk about a criticism and like wonder why like why does it look like Von Miller's not getting upfield and going for sacks? It seems like he's kind of standing still and, and like being a little conservative on those pass rushes. And it's strictly because of the quarterback they were playing today. The last thing you want to do if you're Von Miller, the last thing you want to do if you're Boogie Basham or Greg Rousseau is just fly up the field and give Lamar Jackson easy running lanes. And I thought today part of what Von Miller's job has to be in these games against a guy like Lamar Jackson is to stay at home and be a little conservative on your pass rush, maintain those pass rush lanes because it's super important when you're facing a quarterback like Lamar Jackson to keep that integrity, to force him within the pocket and don't let him find those creases because he'll make you pay. And I thought the Bills, once again, got back to what they did really, really well in their first couple of matchups against Lamar Jackson. Jackson, which was find ways to make one of the most dynamic players in the league a little less dynamic. Now, Lamar Jackson finishes this game 20 to 29, 144 yards and a touchdown and two interceptions. Obviously, those two interceptions of Jordan Poor come late in this football game in sort of the waning most important moments. But he also added 73 yards on 11 carries, over six yards a carry. And this was, a, I thought, one of the toughest games this Bills defense has had in some time, trying to stop this running attack. And Justice Hill goes down with an injury after breaking off a big run in that second half. J.K. Dobbins, I thought, had a great first half, but maybe not so good of a second half. But all in all, 
there's a lot. You, again, I, I mentioned this right before I went to our first caller, Doug, there. There was a lot I feel like you could take from this game. And maybe most importantly is this defense continues to be that bend but don't break. And sure, they might give up a 95-yard drive, which they did on the most important drive of the game. But they found a way to get the turnover in the end zone. And Sean McDermott mentioned in his postgame comments, I mean, it's a, this might be a different game if that throw goes out of bounds and the, the Bills are forced to take the ball at the three-yard line and go 97 yards for the game-winning points. Like, that might be a completely different game. It's, it's really what makes the end of this super interesting to me. It's just a very interesting end of this game. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to... Brian, Brian, you're on the overtime show. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for holding. Yes, thanks for uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm calling you from Nashville, uh, from Rochester, New York. First time caller. Uh, super excited about the team, but I just had a question about uh, the importance of Jordan Phillips. I know uh, we've actually been struggling with that running game last couple of games. I obviously missed him, and wondering your take on the importance of Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver at the same time, and also wondering if we need to. Uh, if they should take their time to get them back. I know we have a couple of games coming up, and then we have a bye week, uh, but one of those two games is the KC game. So just wanted your opinion on uh, if we should take our time getting them back into the game. Uh, yeah, thank, thanks for the call, Brian. And listen, I think both guys have proven that they are absolute studs. And, and Jordan Phillips, maybe more than anyone, has proven to me this system works for him. This rotation works for him. And when they can have their full complement of weapons, Settle, Daquan Jones, Oliver, and Phillips back, they'll be better off for it. I think, I mean, listen, you're facing, I don't know what you're going to get from Kenny Pickett next week. He was looked a lot, lot better than Mitchell Trubisky did um, in the second half. I know he threw a couple interceptions, and but all in all, like the Pittsburgh team that's coming in next week, I think if you're even close, you give Ed Oliver another week. I think you're definitely giving Jordan Phillips another week or two. I think you should absolutely give Tredavious Lloyd another week here. I don't think there's any reason to rush him back into this. But I would agree with you. I think Oliver and Phillips are incredibly important to what this defense does. Their, their level of play when you're keeping that 50 to 55% of snaps for each of your top guys, when you can go to a guy like you know, Jordan Phillips – and when you can go to a guy like Tim Settle, who has, doesn't have to play 55 60% of the snaps, then you're kind of working with a way different rotation. And I do think that when you have, I think, in, in my opinion, Jordan Phillips is one of the premier interior pass rushers for his size on the interior in the entire league. Add in the fact that Ed Oliver's right there with him in terms of explosiveness, very different kinds of interior pass rushers. But all in all, I mean, those are two guys to me that are hugely important to what this Bills team wants to do across that rotation on the defensive line. So I think for me, yes, um, big Big important thing for me um, is getting those two back, but at the same time, making sure that you get them back at 100% health and don't rush them back. And I think they have the luxury of playing Pittsburgh next week without DJ Watt to do just that. Thanks for the call, man. Let's go to let's go to Steve. Steve, you are on the Overtime Show. Welcome, Steve. Good evening to you. Hey, how you doing tonight? Good. Hey, uh, first I just want to talk about uh, Khalil Shakir. I think he did a great job with uh, the – the uh, passes that were thrown to him, as well as his blocking ability to free up um, Singletary in the run game. Uh, two questions. One, do you think um, Shakir should be uh, left in the starting lineup, you know, um, especially since Crowder and McKenzie been injured? Plus, with the amount of drops that um, both Crowder and Davis had today, do you think maybe they should call in Hodgins to let Davis fully heal? Because, I mean, I know weather played a factor in it today, but – between Crowder and Davis, those guys had a lot of drops today, which you know, cost us early on. Certainly. And, you know, I think it's fair to question whether or not Davis it should be playing. I, I think he's definitely laboring a bit on that ankle. But, yeah, I mean, he had a couple of really timely, untimely drops. He struggled today and, frankly, hurt the offense in a couple of positions. Um, so I think, yeah, for me, they do need him back. They need him back 100%. Whether or not they bring Hodgins in, I don't know. But it to me, it looks like Crowder might be out long-term, the way that he, he was carted off the field with an ankle injury. Um, I think for me, there, there's a lot to look at in this game and say you want a little bit more from. One of those areas is I think I need more from Gabriel Davis. And listen, this is why the conversation around Odo Beckham Jr. had so much teeth to start the year. It wasn't because we didn't believe in Gabriel Davis. I just think this team needs another solid guy they can rely on, whether it's in the slot, whether it's on the outside, giving Davis a blow here or there. I, I would like to see this team add another pass catcher, and I think it, it's definitely worthy of a conversation. Thanks for the call. Uh, 
0550. Your numbers to call tomorrow on WGR. It's brought to you. Uh, it's Buffalo Bills Football Monday, presented by Northwest Bank for what's next. Get started at North, uh, Northwest.com. Howard and Jeremy break the game down in the morning. Then it's the Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio from 10 to noon, followed by One Bills Live with Chris Brown and Steve Tasker at noon. And Chopin Bulldog at 3 p.m. featuring Bill, former Bill, Eric Wood at 4. And it's 8 p.m. It's Monday Night Football as Westwood One presents Rams and 49ers. Buffalo Bills Football Monday all day tomorrow on the home of the Bills, WGR Sports Radio 550. Let's go live to the locker room and hear from Matt Milano. And it's brought to you by Buffalo Laborers Local 210. Uh, bringing in juice into the next game. Keep it rolling on defense. Two takeaways. Making big plays. So it's exciting. Can you talk about play calls, like just what happened? What went right for you in that sequence, those three plays at the goal line? I think we just settled in. Uh, first half, we were kind of kind of trying to feel it out, seeing what they were running, seeing what they were doing. They got some big runs, some explosive plays. But I think we just settled in, and everybody just took a breath and uh, relaxed and did their job, keyed in on who they need to key in, and made some plays. Yeah, go for the, the third and fourth down plays at the goal line, too. I mean, specifically, what, what do you remember? What went right for you guys on those two plays? Jordan picked it off, so <laughs> I sealed the deal right there. But the third down play was also big to kind of force them back a little bit there. I don't know if you remember that, but they, I don't they had to a... remember it, to be honest. This, I got so many plays going. <laughs> well, on that note, I mean, 90 degrees last week, even over that. Then today, 13 tackles for you. I mean, what's your body feeling like? We're feeling good. I've been taking care of myself, yeah. eating well, staying hydrated. So, What's the key to tackling Lamar Jackson, especially one-on-one? You had a couple of those today. I don't know. Just got to go out there. and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I've missed some. I made some. So just depends on the day, I guess. All right, that's Matt Milano live from the locker room. Before we take a timeout, we'll remind you that tonight at 8 p.m. on WGR Sports Radio 550, Westwood One presents Chiefs at the Bucks. Sunday Night Football on WGR is brought to you by New York's Outlet Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case and buy Armor Heat. Do it right the first time. I'm going to take a time out on the other side. We'll continue taking phone calls, reading tweets, doing the whole nine here as we break down the Bills' 23-20 win at the Ravens here on the Overtime Show on WGR. A four-yard touchdown catch from Josh Allen. The Bills hit the end zone with nine seconds left in the first half. Bills at the Ravens' 11-yard line. They show blitz again. Josh takes the snap. Back to throw. Now he's going to run it around the left side. First down yardage inside the five. Headed towards the end zone. Is he in? Yes. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen around the left side. Touchdown. An 11-yard run for the Buffalo quarterback. What a play. Fourth and goal from the two. Ravens offense still on the field. Here we go. Here we go. Fourth and goal from the two. Davis in the backfield with Lamar Jackson. Now he's in motion to the left side. In the shotgun. Snap. Jackson going to throw. Takes a look. Pocket collapsing. Drops back. Throws it towards the end zone. It is intercepted in the end zone. Picked off in the end zone. Jordan Poyer stepped in front of that pass. Picked off in the end zone by the Bills veteran safety, Jordan Poyer. How about that one? All right, welcome back to the Overtime Show here on WGR. Nate Geary hanging out with you for the next hour and a half. We've got Deion Dawkins coming up this segment live from the locker room. We'll hear from Sean McDermott next hour and rehear Josh Allen next hour. Uh, you heard the updated scores from these terrible 4 o'clock games. Thank God the NFL is only subjecting us to three of them. But before we talk about anything else, let's get a quick check and get an eye on the quarterback, which is brought to you by Great Lakes Building Systems. We keep an eye on your business so you don't have to. Great Lakes Building Systems, our business business is protecting your business. The tale of two halves, really, for Josh Allen in this game. 19-36, 213 yards, a touchdown, and an interception in this game. Sacked only one time in this game. He also added 11 carries for 70 yards, leading the way for the Bills, and a touchdown in this game. He extends his touchdowns now from 12 on the season all the way to 14, which I believe now leads the league in total touchdowns. Elsewhere around the roster tonight, Stephon Diggs leads the way, receiving a couple of big catches down the field, only four receptions on the day, but 62 total yards. Devin Singletary, again, doing work in the pass game. We heard a lot about why this team drafted James Cook. They wanted a pass catching back, a guy that can come out of the backfield, make big plays in the pass game. Well, so far, that's been Devin Singletary. He finishes today four for 47, including probably the game ceiling first down on that last drive. A little tunnel screen to him, which was a beautiful call by Ken Dorsey when his team has not run the ball well. They went to the pass game. 
got the completion, got the first down, and that effectively sealed the game for the Buffalo Bills elsewhere throughout the roster. Khalil Shakir makes his first catch as an NFL player. He also gets another one. He finishes a two for 23. Dawson Knox, a big, big catch as well on that last drive. He finishes three for 40 in this game. Gabe Davis, only one for 13 in this game on three targets. Jamison Crowder, one for seven on four targets. He would leave the game with an ankle injury and did not return. So there's your eye on the quarterback once again, brought to you by Great Lakes Building Systems. We keep an eye on your business so you don't have to. Great Lakes Building Systems, our business is protecting your business. Let's go back to the phones and get connected with our fans. And let's hear from Adam, who's been waiting patiently. Adam, you're on the Overtime Show. Welcome, my friend. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Good Lord. If you could see my bar tab from the first uh, <laughs> that game versus the second half, you'd see how it was going. There was a part of me that actually hoped, you know what, maybe we need to lose this game 40-6 to six so we get that slap across the face. The, the things we'll tell ourselves, Adam, right? The things we'll tell ourselves. But now I realize, like I said, this, this is a team of dogs. When, they, when it got to 20-10, to 10, you know, I went from abysmal, okay, this is the ass whooping we need to, okay, there's hope there. And then we they went three and out, and it's 20 to 13. Now it's 20 to 20, and the fourth quarter was back and forth. And, again, we got down to the two, and God bless them. Yep. I, I got to admit, we've got the ball at the two, and this is how confident we are. We're just going to kneel it. We're not going to give you any time. Yeah, I did like that too. I thought, you know, Adam, I mean, I, I wrote a piece this week. Well, last week, I should say. Thanks for the call, Adam. I wrote a piece last week kind of criticizing this team in the sort of clutch moments, the pressure moments. And I thought this team really turned it around this week. And on almost every important situation, every right move was made, right? Like kneeling it down and making sure they had no time on the clock, kicking the extra point, and not even giving their defense a chance to blow it. And I know maybe that's a little harsh, but like this is a defense that in pressure situations, dating back to last year in the divisional round and you know last week giving up that third and 22 and almost giving up a 95-yard drive, the last thing any of us wanted was the Bills going in and kicking a field goal or going in to score a touchdown and giving the, Ra- giving the Ravens the ball back to either tie the game or take the lead. That just would have been worst-case scenario for us. So I'm glad that the Bills did the smart thing, and then throughout that drive, just a ton of smart, poised, composed decision-making from the coaching staff, whether it's the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, the running back. I mean, everybody was making the right decisions in the right moments, and that's such an important thing for a great football team. You have to be composed and poised in those situations, which was my biggest frustration, my biggest concern from last week was just knowing that there were situations this team, if they were more poised and more composed, and they take cues from their quarterback, and instead of the razzled-up, red, rosy-cheeks Josh this week, it was a stoic, calm Josh, and that resonated and trickled down through the rest of the roster. They go as this quarterback goes, not just on the field to play, and not just in the moments that cause or that 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 are sort of asking Allen to be the player on the field, to make plays. It's not just in those moments this team looks to him. It's in those moments after something goes wrong. It's in those moments after he throws an interception that the team can take their cues off of what happened, look to Josh, and apply those things throughout the rest of the game. So I think for me, that last drive, so many great moments for this team. Devin Singletary going down instead of walking in the end zone like he easily could have. And it helped him take down the time on the clock, right? And then you think about earlier in that drive as well. Um, You know, Ken Dorsey calling that tunnel screen. They just have had no luck running the football. I mean, they have just been putrid running the football. There's That's a conversation for another day, but, you know, knowing how poorly they were running the football and knowing that the Ravens were expecting them to run it and getting that tunnel screen out there, yeah, I mean, that just, it, it was it was a thing of beauty watching this team be composed and poised and make the right decisions at the right times in this game, and we saw time and time again on that last drive in the third, and the, really the, all of the fourth quarter, just the team that understood the moment, that applied the right mindsets at the right time and that's why they end up winning the game. Let's grab one more phone call before we hear from um, Deion Dawkins in the locker room, and we'll continue taking your phone calls. 803-0551-888-552-550. I got four open phone lines for anybody that wants to give us a shout, let us know what they think about the game, what they're looking forward to next week in Pittsburgh, you know, first half to second half. What, how, how did your thoughts change? What what in this game? You can call and make fun of me about my Twitter if you want. I mean, most people have already done that today. Feel free. It don't, it don't hurt me. I'm unhinged, people. I know it. It's like it's like 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a way to, to make a comparison. Like, it's like, I don't know. It just feels very obvious to tell me that I'm unhinged. You know, I just, it, at least that's what it feels like for me. So, um, all right, 803-0550. Let's go to Mark. Mark, you are on the Overtime Show. Thanks for hanging on hold, man. What do you got? Yeah, hello, Nate. Yeah, like everybody, I was frustrated in the first half. Kick balls. Uh, you know, there was a fumble. There was a lot of drops. Receivers couldn't hold on to the ball, putting it on the floor, too. Um, but when they made it 20-10, to 10, I did not want to give up hope. I said, okay, guys. All right, Buffalo, you have a chance here. You got to just chip away. Let's play defense and try to keep that team, uh, keep Baltimore from doing any more. And when they chipped away at it, what pleased me the most was the smart, intelligent, situational football. We finally, by the first time, they passed that test in a while. Um, I was yelling at my TV when the Bills were in position to get that field goal to put the game away. I, you know. Let's bleed the clock. Let's get yep. it down to two or three. Let's get a couple first downs. Don't give Lamar Jackson the football. Correct. And they, they heeded my advice. I mean, they needed to pass that situational football test because that's where you win games late in the year. That's what you have to do. Spot on, Mark. I totally agree with you. And right, they, they, they passed a major test today. Thanks for the call. And it wasn't – here's why it's frustrating. It's because I know how much Sean McDermott preps his team for those situational football-type plays, right? And knowing how much he cares about the details and harps the details and focuses on them during the week, when they don't meet the moment in the game, that's why it's frustrating because you know that they should be prepared for those moments, and at times it appears they aren't. And I think that's got to be the most frustrating thing for me, and it was good to see them look like they were prepared for the moment. This afternoon. All right, let's go live to the locker room. We're going to hear from Bill's left tackle, Deion Dawkins. It's Deion Dawkins, I'm sorry. And that's brought to you by Buffalo Laborers Local 210. How, how big a win is this for you guys to pull off? You know, it's just, it's, I think it's big in a way simply just because of how it started and how it ended. You know, like we could have gave up. It was 22-3 before the halftime. And then... You know, we put all the other stuff behind us. We told ourselves that we did we did this. We're, we're out here beating ourselves. Interception, fumble, three and out, three and out, three and out. We did that to ourselves. So when we put it all to the side, we put it on us, we capitalized. But every win in this league is big. So a big win is a big win. I think any time but you get a W, it's a big win. To get it done in a close game, you know, after so many where you hadn't gotten it done, to be able to execute, do the things you had to do at the end of the game, how much does that mean to this team? Uh, it means everything, that the locker room knows that they can depend on the guy next to them. Even if they're not next to them and we're watching the defense play, we can depend on our guys that are on that field getting the job done uh, the right way. And um, the, the defense did a heck of a job, and they leaned on us as we leaned on them. So complimentary football, and that's Buffalo Bills ball. It seemed like the running game got going a lot better in the second half. Did you guys do anything differently? Just and just call more, you know, just uh, and just call more runs and got us all in our rhythm, you know. And like I said and before, and the the run game, like you could call a run and it can pop, but if you call a run and call a run and call a run, you know, it it gets us going. So uh, as the the plays kept turning, we kept going. So we're like we're big guys, like we don't like want to play backwards, like we want to play forward. So, but it's a passing league. But anytime that we can get some more runs in, hey, it's all love. Did the close game thing mean anything to you guys? Is that something you talked about at all, not being able to get those done before? Close games? Yeah, not, not winning those. You had seven in a row where you hadn't won a one-score game. Um, it really came down to understanding that in this league, it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. You know, conditioning who's want to push that extra mile in the fourth quarter. And every game, I think, is going to be a fourth-quarter game. You know, teams are, are going to continue to play us hard. Um, and we're going to keep putting our – one foot in front up like of another to and get the thing done. But, you know, it's going to be a fourth quarter game every game. And, you know, we play for 60 minutes, sometimes 70, sometimes 80. And we're, and we're built for it. All right, that is Bill's left tackle, Deion Dawkins, that was following today's 23-10, I'm sorry, 23-20 win over the Baltimore Ravens. Before we take a timeout, tomorrow on WGR, it's Buffalo Bills Football Monday, and it's presented by Northwest Bank for what's next. Get started at Northwest Bank. 
Com. Howard and Jeremy break the game down in the morning. Then it's the Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio from 10 to noon, followed by One Bills Live with Chris Brown and Steve Tasker at noon, and Chopin Bulldog at 3 p.m. with Eric Wood at 4. And then at 8 p.m., it's Monday Night Football as Westwood One presents the Rams at the 49ers. Buffalo Bills football Monday all day tomorrow in the home of the Bills, WGR Sports Radio 550. Time out on the other side. We'll continue taking phone calls. We've got four open phone lines. Fill them up. Let's hear what you got to say. 803-0550 here on the Overtime Show on WGR. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Overtime Show here on WGR. We're going to get to some more phone calls. Before we do, though, we're going to go back to the locker room. We're going to hear from Bill's defensive end, Gregory Rousseau, and it's brought to you by Buffalo Laborers Local 210. Were you surprised they went for it on fourth down at the goal line? No, I wasn't surprised. You know, one one of those teams... One of those teams that, that had that like tough mentality or whatever, but, but we got it too, so I'm, I'm glad we got to stop. So tell me what's going through your mind on that play and then what you saw from Jordan. Uh, Jordan? Poyer, the interception on that play. When Poyer, Poyer picked it off. Oh, that's, I didn't even know. I look, that's I, why you guys got it at the 20. Oh, I was wondering what, I was wondering what happened because I looked back gotcha. and I didn't understand. Like, I, thought, I thought they caught the touchdown at first, so... So me, me and uh, yeah, Jordan Shackman. picked it off actually. So, so that not only stopped him, but it changed field position from the two to the twenty. The twenty, it made an easier drive for the game winning drive. Nah, damn, that's huge. That's big time. I didn't even know that. Literally, didn't even know that because me and me and me and Shaq, we was like chasing him down, and like we dove or whatever. And then I look back and I just I didn't know what happened. I knew it was off the field, so I was like, shit, I'll take it. What was it like playing against Lamar Jackson for the first time? Uh, I mean, it, it was it was fun for sure. I mean, he's an he's an electric player, just like you. It's a challenge every single play to bring him down, you know. And and what's what's a win on a rush against some teams is it, it isn't so much a win against him because he's gonna even if you got pressure, he's gonna uh, step around, do some do some crazy stuff. So I mean, it's a challenge, but we're up for the challenge. We're up for the challenges every single week, no matter who it is. Did you guys make any adjustments at halftime because you did shut him out after that? Uh, I I, I feel like we just we just played our ball, you know. I feel like we came out there. Uh, we came out there. They put some points up. Uh, they had they had a good plan or whatever. They were, they were they were doing some new stuff that that we actually I don't think we really seen on tape too much. So so they, they was changing up. But after that, we really settled in. I feel like in the second half, uh, and shut them out. And then the offense came out blazing too. And and in the rain, where when it's even harder to score. So I mean, hats off to the offense. Hats off to the defense. Special team. That's a great collective team win. I'd say. Anything in particular that they were doing differently that you guys weren't that you hadn't seen before. Anything particular? Uh, not just, nothing, nothing crazy, you know. At the end of the day, it's still ball, but just a couple like, a couple like run, run concepts. Like I haven't seen that shuffle pass in a while, so like just little stuff like that. They were doing a good job mixing it up, you know. So. All right, that is Bills defensive end Gregory Rousseau finished this game with a half sack and I believe now has four sacks on the season and is really, really coming into his own. And there's no doubt Von Miller's presence has helped that along quite a bit. But yeah, another great game from Gregory Rousseau. Stuff you love to see. Going to take a timeout. I got two callers on hold. I will get to you guys on the other side. I've got four open phone lines at 803-0550, 1-888-552-550 if you want to get your thoughts in on this game. we also got a ton of uh, player sound uh, still upcoming from the locker room, so we'll get a bunch of those. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Overtime Show right here on WGR. Ready! Buffalo Bills game day on the Buffalo Bills radio network. All right, here we go. Here we go. We got to have a drive. 23 left. 23 left. Will. It's time for the overtime show with Nate Geary. All right, welcome back. Overtime show here. Hour two coming your way. We're going to hear from a whole bunch of Bills players. Uh, We've got DeMar Hamlin coming up here in this hour. Uh, TJ, who, who else we got? You you told me there's more, so there's got to be more. Yeah, Tomorrow we got uh, Khalil Shakir yep. uh, waiting for us here. Shaq Lawson, Taron Johnson. Uh, I think that's all we have left. It's a lot uh, from everything we played. I think Dane Jackson. I have Dane Jackson. Too, so yes, Dane Jackson. So we'll hear from a bunch of Bills players here coming up. Before we do that, let's get connected with our fans. Let's go to John, who's been waiting incredibly patiently. John, welcome and thanks for waiting, man. You're on the overtime show. Thanks for waiting. Yeah, how's it going? Good. Uh, I just want to say I think there were some great uh, coaching moments from the coaching staff, uh, mostly uh, McDermott in the final minute with the uh, clock management and the QB sneak call. I think he also had some nice fourth down uh, calls that were player 
paired with um, good play calls from Ken Dorsey and some good defensive play calls from Le- Leslie Frazier. And I wanted to ask you if you thought this was the best coaching job McDermott's done within a minute left in the game. Also, he trusts hmm. in the process, and clearly it's hard to win this league. What do you think? I, well, I, I, I love that you channeled the McDermott and answering the McDermott there, John. So thanks for that. Uh, that, was, that was some real, that was some top level coach speak, I got to admit. Um, but yeah, I think overall, um, I, you know, the best Sean McDermott performance in close game situations. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a stretch to say that. I thought that there were several opportunities in this game where things were kind of in a tough spot and the Bills executed their way out of some tough spots. So, yes. Uh, but I thought the fourth quarter, in particular, the last offensive drive was really a clinic. And listen, I mean, this is a league, as you mentioned, hard to win in this league. John Harbaugh will likely get killed and will likely get killed all week on them going for it on fourth down and goal instead of kicking the field goal and going up three, right? I bet the Bills walked down the field and kicked a field goal after taking two knees at the goal line. They could have easily scored a touchdown and won that game anyways, and they still would have lost. What I thought John John Harbaugh did right on that, and I know you didn't ask me about this, John, but I'm going to bring this to you anyways, is that I would have liked, I would have wanted Sean McDermott to make the exact same call that John Harbaugh made in the final moments of that fourth quarter and, ha- and and putting the game in your quarterback's hands and having him make a play. And it just didn't happen. And I, you know, like I thought the Bills defended that play incredibly well. They did a great job in that fourth quarter. That was a tough drive. I mean, they drew driving. It was about to be a 95 yard scoring drive. Matt Milano makes a good tackle, keeping Lamar Jackson out of the end zone, forcing that fourth down play. I, I can't fault John Harbaugh in the slightest for going for it. I thought it was the right call at the right time. It, just didn't follow through. Um, it just it just didn't work out, and I, I don't think John Harbaugh should be killed for it. Um, I think John Harbaugh made the right decision at the right time. You know, they just didn't get the result that they wanted. But like, that's a team that was I mean was losing all momentum and was looking like they had started capturing some of it back. Absolutely, you go for that in that situation. So um, yeah, I, I I can't at all fault John Harbaugh. Um, and and to your question, Jack, yes, I think this is if not the best. One of the best performances we've seen in those final, those pressure moments, uh, making the right calls at the right time from Sean McDermott. So I appreciate the call. Thanks, John. Let's go to Pete. Pete, you're on the overtime show. What do you got for me, Pete? Hi. Yeah, uh, I guess two things. Um, first, I hope next week that they uh, rest that Oliver. Uh, Pittsburgh's coming in with a rookie quarterback, and I think, I mean, I don't know what the line's going to be, but I'm sure it's going to be massive. I mean, Bills are just going to absolutely cave their heads in. And then... I guess the second point I want to make is I hope the Bills do something to address their running game, whether it's picking up uh, another interior lineman or two or trading for a more legitimate runner. I mean, it's almost a month into the season, and the running game is just really uninspiring. And if they're going to rely on Josh Allen to be their short yardage back, I mean, I think they're asking for, for big trouble. Mm. Um, I, you know, you can't, can't run your franchise quarterback on toss sweeps and have strong safeties and linebackers flying in, taking out his legs. I mean, it's just, you know, it's effective until, uh, you know, he ends up like Carson Wentz or Willis McGahee. Sure. Um, and I hope, you know, I hope that doesn't happen, but it, it's just it's just a matter of time before something, you know, unfortunate like that happens. And, you know, it seems like, you know, maybe they can make a play for, I mean, it'd be a blockbuster trade, but a guy like Barkley, I mean, yeah. I don't know. He's, he only has half a year. Left on his contract, I believe. I don't know what, no, what you're right. he would cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have any sense for what he would cost in trade? You know, listen, I mean, he would be a rental, and I think that would have to I think that would have to be reflective in the return they get for him. But I think if you're the Giants, you're gonna likely get a third round pick if he leaves in free agency. So I think you're gonna want at least a third round pick. And the, and like I, I said, o- like- only because if he if he just walks in free agency and he signs elsewhere, that's what they're gonna get bare minimum. I don't think they would take less for that by trading him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if that's if that's what he's if that's his his value, I mean, it seems like a no brainer. I mean, I cannot imagine that running back running against. Two high safeties with yeah. the weaponry the Bills. I mean, he was just- and Pete the the screen game, and and this is no shot at yeah. Devin Singletary because Devin Singletary's been, I would say, actually, I would say his strength this year has been in the pass game. That's where he's contributed the most so far. But yeah, I mean, if you are asking me on the on the tail end of a dump down catch, who I'd rather turning around and running with the football, Devin Singletary, Saquon Barkley. I mean, come on, that's not a contest. Yeah, tie four six versus four three. Right, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, thanks for the call, Pete. Appreciate it. Yeah, listen, I mean, here's the thing, right? Is Saquon Barkley solving the issues this running game has? <sighs> it's a, it's a good question. I don't know that there's an easy answer to it, uh, to be honest, right? Like, I, I don't know if there's an easy answer to say, yes, Saquon Barkley solves all of, or at least most of, the issues this team has running the football. But I will say, it certainly wouldn't make it worse. But I've got a lot of reservations about how this offensive line run blocks. We heard Deion Dawkins there from the locker room kind of talk about, well, the, the offensive line likes running the football because they, the big guys like moving forward. Well, <laughs> I mean... Could have fooled me, man. I mean, you guys have not done a good job running, you know, blocking for the run game. And listen, you know, this defensive line for the Ravens coming into this game, we we heard from who do we have on on, on pregame? Uh, oh, we had Jeremy Kahn of one hundred five seven the fan, and he talked about the weak point of this defensive line is just they they're not big, they're not physical, and boy, for the first twenty minutes of this football game, I wanted to text Jeremy and say like, what the hell were you talking about, man? They came out physical, they were winning at the line of scrimmage. This Bills offensive line is not a ground-and-pound, road-grading offensive line. It's just not their shtick. They are a finesse, pass-blocking unit who is good at keeping Josh Allen upright. And that's okay. But I think at a certain point, you got to start asking questions about whether or not this offensive line is really built to be able to run the football effectively with anybody. So, yeah, I would say, and someone just tweeted at me, <laughs> <laughs> the spread that's opening for next week with the Bills at home against the Steelers. Jer- uh, um, TJ, throw. what is your guess about what the line is opening for next week's game against the Steelers at home? 13. 13 and a half. Nice. You get a sticker. I'm going to tell me where I can get it. I, 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 we'll yeah, we'll I discuss know. it We'll after discuss it after break. All right, let's go to back to the phones. Let's go to Kevin. You has been waiting patiently. Kevin, you're on the overtime show. Thanks for holding. What do you got? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. All right, I've got a few things. Number one, let's get over the fact that people keep going after the run game. We are not a run-first team. We'll never be a run-first team with Josh Allen. He's going to pass. The team's going to pass. That's how we are. That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. When we need to run, we will. Now, let's go to the elephant in the room. Yes, we won the game. Yes, we started off a little slow. We had two interceptions. Um, excuse me, two. I should say two turnovers. I apologize. But here's the problem. There was... Faults by the refs on both teams. However, there was eight, possibly nine, calls that should have been called against the Ravens that were not called and should have been penalties against the Ravens. I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. What you think about it? Anybody who hasn't watched the game or didn't see it, go ahead and pay attention to the game because that's a fact and it did happen. Kevin, listen, I'm going to tell you that I find it very mature of myself to get through an hour and 12 minutes of this show and not brought up the refereeing at any point. And the only reason I'll say that is I agree with you. This is a team that through four games has two defensive pass interference calls and one defensive holding against on a team that throws the ball more than any team in football. Correct. I don't think, listen, do I think there's a conspiracy against the Bills? No, I don't. Thanks for the call, Kevin. I don't believe there's a conspiracy to not call penalties against the Bills. Having said that, there have been a lot of there was a lot of missed calls today. I mean, that holding call that did that wasn't called on Dane Jackson when he was blitzing off the edge was egregious. I mean, it was terrible. A lot of missed calls in this game. The Ravens ended up with nine penalties in this game. And maybe even ten. Let me check. I can check that. that that's something I can check. I'm capable of checking. It ended with nine penalties for 70 yards for the Bills, four for 31. So to say that there's some sort of, you know, black market conspiracy against the Bills to not call penalties, listen, nine penalties is a decent amount for any team to get called for in a game. Having said that, there were several more that could have been called in this game that weren't. It's not a problem until it's a problem. The Bills haven't lost because of a refereeing. So don't, I don't want to go that far. But I, I do want to completely acknowledge your point. They have not gotten a lot of calls. I suspect that changes, right? I, it, it is really, really aggressive to one side of this. Uh, like the NFL, it, the game of randomness that it is, it will eventually balance out. The Bills will start getting those calls. They just have to. They pass way, way too much to not start getting more to get more calls going their way. I'm just. I, I agree with you though. It's it's something that I have noticed. 
I am notice I'm noting it on this show. I'm not going to talk about conspiracies. I'm not going to go really any more in depth to the fact that I think the Bills are probably due to get some more calls and I suspect it'll happen coming up. Pierre, you're on the overtime show. Thanks for holding, man. What do you got? Hello. I want to ask when do you think the Zach Moss experiment will be over? Because <laughs> you would he just never gets to where he's supposed to go and did James Cook play today? Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for the call, Pierre. Listen, I, I, when the James Cook experience it will be over is when I'm dead and six feet in the ground. That's Zach what the Moss. Bills want to tell me. What, what did I say? You said, you said Cook. Zach okay, Moss. yes. Zach, the Zach Moss experience will be over when I'm dead because that's what the Bills say. I like and, and listen. TJ had me, as the kids would say, rolling. I was in stitches. I, my, I was, I had stitches. Is that the saying? You're, you're older it's than me, them. but you're it's actually much cooler than me. So I was going to assume you knew the saying. I mean, that's one of the sayings. I would say, I would say, in stitches is certainly in something stitches. I would say. Okay, so I was in stitches after TJ, right? So I think it was the turnover, right? The Bills got the interception. No, no, it was actually before that. It, it, I, no, 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 it was the interception. Was and then they they turned around, they hand the ball off to Zach Moss, and you were like something along the lines of like. Hey, whenever you can hand the ball off to Zach Moss after getting a bunch of momentum, you have to do it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. it was close. It was but close, like, something oh like gosh. that. But yeah, like, there's nothing like deflating uncle momentum, like turning around and handing the ball off to Zach Moss. And listen, I, the, I don't want to make because of how much I bring it up. It sounds personal. I want Zach Moss to succeed. I think he's a great dude. I think he sacrifices and does a lot of good things. I'm sure inside the locker room for this team. But I just think there's time and time again where. He's just not electrifying enough. He's just not good enough at breaking tackles. He just does not have the necessary short area quickness to warrant the amount of snaps and touches he gets in a given game. And I know this isn't a guy that's getting, you know, 20 touches a game or something. But, you know, three carries in this game are three too many for me, to be honest with you. And, like, Zach Moss is a break-in-case-of-emergency guy. And really no other reason should he be on the field. I, I don't know what is happening with, with James Cook. I, I don't know. Now, I know he has that drop in that play. And maybe that leads to him not playing much more. But it is not. There is no reason that your second round pick as, like, gets one target in this game and no touches. What is going on with Zach or with, with, with James Cook? I, I don't know what's happening there. Um... I, I'm frustrated by it. I want to see it change. They've got to get creative. They've got to find ways to get him the ball. I think the easiest solution right now to some of their running issues, I think you've got to wave Zach Moss and, and just admit that it's not a thing. It's not working. I need to see Duke Johnson in this lineup. I need to see him. If you're not going to let James Cook cook, Go to Duke Johnson. You can trust Duke Johnson. He's proven it time and time again. I'm sick of the league sleeping on Duke Johnson. Everyone sleeps on Duke Johnson. I'm sick of it. It was the Texans. It was the Browns. The Dolphins gave him a second, and then they got rid of him. Stop sleeping on Duke Johnson. All right. I'm, again, I, I'm, I got a lot of people looking at me in the studio. I am cool, calm, and collected like I always am. I don't know what you're looking at me for. I mean, we just heard yelling, and we just wanted to look Stop at the spectacle. Stop sleeping on him! Stop sleeping on Duke Johnson! <laughs> you know, just like, how much... It can't be worse than what we've gotten. And again, I, I just... I want to be just forthright in saying, like, I still am rooting for Zach Moss. I hope... I hope that what has kind of rendered him ineffective is that he's injured, or, or just whatever it is. It just... It is... It's frustrating to me that they kind of keep going back to the well with him. I know he broke off that long run yesterday. If he doesn't break off that long run, his career yards per yards per carry average is like 1.5. It's just not working. And I think part of the reason that this team struggles to run the football so much is they cannot seem to marry a running type with the type of offensive line they have. The running type that, that Singletary... Now, Singletary did a decent job breaking free in a couple runs today. But the running type that we see from Zach Moss does not mesh with the style of, of run blocking this offensive line can provide. And it just, it's just not working. And I think I'm just at the point where I need to see a change. And listen, if, if waving Zach Moss... Listen... The conversation about Saquon Barkley, I think you can put it in your back pocket. I don't think it's happening. I don't think this team, 
I want to want to stop short of saying they shouldn't use a third round pick on Saquon Barkley, but I would be open to them doing it. I just think I would maybe rather first exhaust all my other options, which I think the next logical option is you just have to waive Zach Moss. And if he makes it back to your practice squad, great. I don't know how many teams are watching the film of Zach Moss that are going to line up and try to, you know, get him off waivers or something and claim him. And if he does, good for Zach. And I hope the change of scenery and maybe a new offensive system with a different type of offensive line and he has success. I want that for him. I just think right now it's not meshing. And I think the Bills right now are just that proverbial beating the hat against the wall. They're beating a dead horse. It's not working. It's time for a change. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Mike. Mike, you're on the Overtime Show. Welcome, Mike. How you doing? I'm good. I have a, a quick question, just a thought here. Uh, first off, I love the fact that they, they came back. They, they played great in the second half. But with regards to our secondary, uh, with Micah Hyde being out now, do you think that we should be paying Jordan Poyer and either drafting a safety next year, or do we go and get a player like Minka, Fitz, Minka Fitzpatrick? Like, would a would a would a first round draft hmm. pick trade somewhere along the along the lines make sense for a guy like that? Uh, yeah, because listen. Obviously, because obviously this year we're we're trying to go for the whole thing, right? Like it's either Super Bowl or nothing, mm-hmm. right? So, would 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 trading some really good draft picks make sense to get a guy like that, or well, do we just? I would I would tell you this. Thanks for the thanks, thanks for the call, Mike. I think it's an interesting topic you're bringing up, and before the season, I think I was fully on. This is the last year of Jordan Poyer, and that's okay. It's time to move on. I like that. That was me. I think there's a really very unfortunate truth we're all going to have to potentially come up on, which is that Micah Hyde might have played his last snap, not just as a Bill, but as an NFL player. Like, the injury he got, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you I have, like, insider information, more information than anybody knows, but neck injuries are a fickle bee. Okay, that's that's me blanking out the rest of that word. It's a bad word that I'm not supposed to use on the radio. You're welcome for not swearing. It's concerning um, to me that he had to seek a second opinion. For yes, it. and what that usually means is the first opinion is surgery. And neck surgery is, once again, a fickle bleep. And as someone who has struggled with herniated discs and bulging discs and nerve and, and all sorts of issues stemming from concussions with my neck... You keep going to different opinions until someone says, well, I think we can fix this without surgery. And that's what Micah Hyde's doing. The problem is, is the type of hit that he got to the front of the head. The reason it was different than Dane Jackson's, Dane Jackson's caught it to the front of the face mask, which bent his neck, right? Scary as can be, but the neck can move in those types of ways. The the way that Micah Hyde was hit on the top of the head by a knee, and you saw him go limp like that, that's a nerve-related Probably disc herniation. And there's a very real possibility Micah Hyde doesn't play football again. And I think that's a situation that has changed the way, A, I've thought about what the future for Jordan Poyer is. Because like you can't lose both guys. Part of my reasoning for, hey, you move on from Poyer this year, you've still got Micah Hyde. Well, if that's not the case, Poyer, to me, is playing his best damn football of his career. Like, I know he's 31. Like, I don't think you pay 30-plus-year-old safeties what Jordan Poyer is going to want to get paid. How do you watch Jordan Poyer play and not pay that dude? He's he's, he's interesting. so good. He'll be interesting because he didn't play really a lot for the first four years of his Correct. career. Correct. So he does not have the same wear and tear. And safeties, right. they're playing later and later into yep. their careers now. This is not your mother's, your grandfather's safety position. Right? Like these guys aren't coming down and having crazy collisions the way they were when everyone was running the football. These guys are playing center field. They're insulated from a lot of those big hits. Go pay Jordan Boyer right now. Like Drew Rosenhaus, where are you at, homie? Come back. Uh, listen, let's crowdsource a plane ticket for 
Drew Rosenhaus to come back to Buffalo. Let's get this done. Sign that man now. I mean, Jordan Poyer is bucking a whole bunch of trends about what you're supposed to think about 30-plus-year-old safeties. He is playing his best bleeping football of his career. Bleepity bleep bleep. I mean, my God, man, such clutch moments in this game. You just, and you know what, Dolphins fans? Up yours. If Jordan Poyer was playing in that game, you're not beating the Bills. You beat the Bills without the most important piece, in my mind, before Poyer went down. I thought the second most important piece of this team was Micah Hyde. He's down and you're down, Poyer? Yeah, man. Like, I, I, I'm... It's Mark, it's a really interesting discussion. I have completely flipped on the Poyer discussion. It's time to lock him in now. He's a stud, and he's playing the best football of his damn life. Keep him here. They need him. They need him. But right now, he is the... With Micah Hyde out and maybe gone forever, Jordan Poyer has quickly become the second most important guy in this team, or third most important guy in this team, not named Josh Allen, not named Stephon Diggs. Let's grab to another, let's go to another phone call. Thanks for the call, Mark. Thanks for the discussion. I think it's an interesting one. Greg, you are on the Overtime Show. What you got for me, Greg? Hey, guys. Good, uh, great show. Thanks. Uh, two things. One, I wholeheartedly disagree with Harbaugh not kicking the field goal. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, you could have taken the lead in a rain-driven windstorm game with a few minutes left, forced the Bills to go down the field to kick a field goal. Maybe they get a touchdown. But remember, on the last drive before the Bills' defense gave up a 92-yard drive uh, and almost scored, and when they didn't kick the field goal, they stuffed the Bills three and out and sacked Josh Allen. I mean, if, if that's the Bills and McDermott doesn't kick the field goal to go for the lead and the win possibly – Buffalo go absolutely nuts. It's not a great call. It's a, it's, a, it's a call to cheat your own players. That's just my comment on it. As far as the run game goes, I'm really getting sick and tired of people saying the Bills don't need a run game. If the Bills had a running game, they'd be 4-0. They had the That's ball right. second and goal at the two-foot-yard line in Miami last week and, and decided not to try and run because they can't. And even today, they got stuffed on a third and one. Uh, and this, this myth that they'll, they'll run when they need to, no, you need to run every single week at some point. The Bills can't run. I, I agree with you. Bring Duke Johnson up. Give him a shot. He's a good running back. He's a veteran running back. He runs hard. He can't do any worse than Singletary right. or Moss. Well, That's listen, I, I want to stop you and say, I think Singletary can play, Greg. I just think that he's not a lead horse. He's a good, really solid 1B, really solid second option, right? Like, you look across the league, you look yeah. at some of these teams that have a nice, like, he's kind of the perfect complement if, like, you had an Aaron Jones. Or, yeah. right, he's a good A.J. Dillon. I know he's not the same player, but A.J. Dillon to a to a Aaron Jones. Like, when you have another really good stud guy that could be the number he's one. and a real good uh, pass yeah. on the backfield. That's improved his game. But I he, agree. He a, you can't rely on him to be your running game. No, I, I totally agree. And, Greg, listen. And we agree a lot there, and I agree with a lot of what you said about, listen, I, this is a pass-first team, right? But pass-first can't be pass-only. Like, to your point, listen, I, there's, a li- there's a lot to last week's game. I don't think it's as easy as saying if they could run the ball. They, they were down. They had Tommy – no, no, not Tommy Sweeney. I'm sorry. Tommy Doyle playing in the fourth quarter on a torn ACL because they literally had no other offensive lineman to go to. So – I'm not going to blame the running backs for their lack of ability to run the ball last week in that game. That was just a that game was a bit of an anomaly. Um, but yeah, I, I there's a lot there. I agree with you on man. So don't get me wrong there, Greg. But same time, yeah, I, I'm I'm just at the point where it's just they've got to find something in this run game. And I think right now, if I know we're all talking like we have figured it out and we're the collective fan base and we're smart. Everybody knows football. It's so hard because we're not there. We don't know what the scheme asks. We don't know if every time that Zach Moss gets the ball, every all eleven, all other ten players are simultaneously missing their cues and missing their whatever their job is on that play. I would say I highly doubt it, but I would also say we all don't know enough to truly understand why it's not working. I just see it and it doesn't work. So. What I do know is you have a guy on your practice squad right now who has the ability to be better than what we've seen from Zach Moss, and I think I need to see it. To your point, this doesn't have to be a team that turns around to run the ball 30 times a game. I don't ever want them to be that team. They have Josh Allen. 
lean into that. Be that. But at the same time, they have to find complementary football. They have to find balance. And they have to be able to run the football when the time requires you to do it. And sometimes on the goal line, you just got to run the dang Ball. Tonight at 8 p.m. on WGR Sports Radio 550, Westwood One presents the Chiefs at the Bucks. Sunday Night Football on WGR is brought to you by New York's Outlet Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case and buy Armor Heat. Do it right the first time. We're going to hear from Bill's safety, Jordan Poyer, and you're also going to hear from Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott. That's all coming up next here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 